I like this yeah. game. This game is awesome. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I knew you'd like do. this game. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, it, it, it totally a total random. Uh, it's not uh, random. It's random. It's Ed, not random. Ed, it's very you're random. You're kidding me. What do you mean? It's, it's not, not random, random, you punk. It's, it's yeah, a, if you it's bury a, this game, we're gonna hurt you. Game. It's not a random game. It's chance. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> chance, but yeah, okay. Oh, you didn't take the humans. Humans, take those humans. Now do I press my luck? Yes, yes I do. Oh no! See what I mean? Random. Oh, I busted. No. That was fun. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we come in peace, or rather, shoot to pieces the planet Earth in Martian Dice. Next up, we're never so happy to spot land in our lives as we build our hodgepodge armies in Magic the Gathering Adventures in Forgotten Realms. And lastly, we do whatever it takes, and we mean whatever it takes, to gain the popular vote in Devolution, Become a Supreme Leader for Life. I'm here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Ed Povolitis. Hey guys, it's game time! Mike Grenier. Howdly doodly do. And this week we have a special guest, Kevin Tracy with Mordaf Games and the designer of Delver Heroes of Farinwald. And he's the host of Dungeons, Dice, and Dex podcast. Hi, Kevin. Glad to be here. Woohoo! Our first game up this week is Martian Dice, designed by Scott Alms, published by Tasty Minstrel Games in 2011. Number of players, 2 to 99. <laughs> Ages 8 and up, playtime 10 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the alien box. The cover of the box shows us everything we need to know about an alien invasion. There will be tanks. There will be chickens. There will be cows. There will definitely be scared humans. And of course, there will be death rays. <laughs> Inside the box, there are 13 custom six-sided dice. What more do you need? And that's what's in the box. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what's mm -hmm. in the box. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, before we find out if Intelligent Life designed this game, I'm going to zap you with some rules. In Martian Dice, we play Martians, whose mission is to be the first to fill our Earthling abduction quota. <laughs> our goal is to collect samples of chickens, cows, and humans to determine which of them is actually in charge. You will roll 13 custom dice. With each roll, you must first set aside any tanks. Those represent the human military coming to fend off your alien invasion. Then you could choose one type of die and set it aside. You can choose chickens, cows, humans, or your death rays. At the end of your turn, you'll need enough death rays to fend off an equal amount of tanks. If there are more tanks, you will not be able to abduct anyone. But if you manage to fend off the tanks, you can abduct at least one of each. Oh, sorry. But if you manage to fend off the tanks, your abduction works that turn. And if you can abduct one, at least one of each type, chicken, cow, or human, you'll score a bonus. 
Yay, bonus points. Everybody loves bonuses. <laughs> Love those bonuses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Kevin, get right into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, way, to ki- way to kick in. Always mention bonus points. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the free advertising. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Ed, what type of game is this? Hey, so you got dice and you roll them, and every time you roll them, you got to lock some of them down until you can't roll dice anymore ah, or choose a stop in the case. So that's called a roll and lock game? I mean, that's what I call them. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a mechanic you see in a lot of places. I yeah. mean, we know where we've seen this one before, Celeste. Oh, yeah. This right here is Cosmic Wimpout's younger, crazier sibling. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what this game is. So uh, what? how did you like the dice, the custom dice in this game? I mean, I thought they were cool. I mean, little chickens, you know, cows, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I know. And of course, death rays. Simple, color-coded. You could tell exactly yeah. what the facing of the die was supposed to be. I love how scared the human looks on these dice. <laughs> he looks terrified. I mean, why should he look be? terrified. Yeah. <laughs> given what situation they're in. The only thing they have is tanks to defend against these death rays coming from the sky. Yeah. And they, they straight up look like the tanks from, like, the old Atari game. Oh, what was that mm-hmm, called? Mm-hmm. Uh, command or? Combat. Combat, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> they look like the combat tanks. How would that shoot down a death ray? I don't know, but they kill them at a 1-1 ratio, so that's pretty good. I got to give them credit. Yeah, that is yeah. good. Those, are, those tanks will do. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. <laughs> I think the best commentary in the game is how the chicken, the cows, and the humans are all worth one point. <laughs> right. They're equally important, especially because the aliens can't tell who is in charge here. Right. So from their perspective, if they're just collecting uh, specimens... Then whoever their boss or supervisor is, is going to equally count whatever kind they bring up. Uh, I love the cover of the little box, right? It's just people running for their lives. And getting beamed up into spaceships. Yeah, it's great. The cover and the art kind of took me back to the arcade with Space Invaders a little yeah, bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Especially with how simple the art is, it just felt like I was... I mean, I wanted death rays in this instance as opposed to <laughs> shooting them down, but... Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that we're the perspective of the Martians. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that we are actually. See, when I first played it, I was like, "Oh, I'm, I, I'm trying to defend." No, the Martians are abducting me. <laughs> and then I read the, I read the. Th- I was like excited about tanks, but then I was like, "Oh no, I need the phasers to wait." <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> then I realized I was the Martian, and I'm like, "Oh yes, yes, now I get it. <laughs> All is clear." I love that perspective. Yeah, there's this kind of nefarious nature to how you're playing it and what you feel when you're rolling oh which is a great part about push your luck games like this or where you're choosing is that the more you roll the more sinister kind of things kind of get and Mm -hmm. that's always exciting and this is definitely (laughs) one of the more pure press your luck games like every time you roll the dice you can see how tough it's going to be to get more points and like there's no no ambiguity about it you know you know how difficult it's going to be and almost at least in my case you almost always press your luck a little bit more well yeah but it also is uh, so random that you, sometimes you don't even have a choice uh-huh. like you can just roll a whole bunch of tanks and then that's it your turn is over that was my very <laughs> first turn ever playing this game is i picked up all 13 <laughs> dice i rolled them and it was like wait what i can't do anything oh yeah it's all tanks <laughs> <laughs> And of course, Board Game Arena, which we played this on, was nice enough to say, ah, not your turn. Next. Yeah, it just yes. kicked me right out. Boop, you're mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. Like, Mike's like, wait, what? Is huh? it my turn still? Nope, you're done, Mike. What happened? <laughs> I know. Uh, 
but that is the delight of the game. The super randomness just causes nonstop chaos and screaming. Mm-hmm during play now kevin did you you had a chance to play it on uh board game arena too right i did yeah uh, now when you were playing you were playing in the silence of board game arena with people you didn't know is that how you played? i, I actually wasn't as soon as it oh. wanted me to play with people i didn't know i was like nope i'm playing <laughs> with friends only and i'm gonna send a link to someone so they will be forced to play awesome. with me because <laughs> um, i was like playing with my friends as opposed to uh, strangers, unless it's like at a convention or something. I highly, re- highly recommend putting headphones on if you're going to play this in board game arena and getting on the voice chat with some with the people you're playing with. Highly recommend that because it's really all about the uh, cursing your fate together. Yeah, mocking people, oh, goading yeah. them to roll again. Everybody's like, like the- you know, you're going to roll again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just pick, them, just pick them back up. Already know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, man. And I am so super greedy that no matter what I roll, I'm always considering an extra roll. Like even even at the point where I was like already over the amount of points I needed to like win the game or at least be, you know, trigger the end game. Yeah. I was still mm-hmm. like, yeah, but I need a little cushion in case somebody else can come back. And, you know, <laughs> so it, it this game really encourages risk taking. Yes. And as you get closer to the end of it, I mean, you really don't have a choice. You've got to keep rolling if mm-hmm. you're behind. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great thing about a push your luck game because it's you want to get that feeling every turn and every mm-hmm. roll. <laughs> you know, if you feel like, oh, no, I'm good. Sometimes it, it might be that the game is, hasn't designed itself well enough to make you feel like, ah, one more. <laughs> right. To not have, not have a lingering back of the mind sense of desperation. Or regret yeah. if you don't moments. roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's the magic of a, a good press your luck game, you know. It's, it's going to make you have that regret of not rolling again or that awesome feeling of making that great roll. Or, you know, everybody else's joy at you failing at your, when you get too greedy. Yeah, and a game like this, it's so fast. That's the great thing is you can just play again, play another yeah. round real quick, you know. It's mercifully yep. short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is mercifully short. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it is, it has to be one of the rare, very rare games where we did play it twice. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we came back the next night and played it again. <laughs> and well, that's because Mikey didn't make it yeah. the first yeah. time around. He somehow fell asleep. <laughs> oh, I did but not fell many- asleep. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but how many games would we have bothered? You know, yeah. we would have been like, Mike, you know, you'll, you know, do some research and we'll talk about it on the, mm-hmm. but we were like, oh no, you have to experience this game Mike. <laughs> with you guys. Yeah. And it's so short that you could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Games like this are great fillers too. Like at a oh, board yeah. game night between maybe something like Sellers of Sand or Descent, you just mm-hmm. play a yeah. few games of this while everybody's getting up and getting more beer, eating pizza or whatever. <laughs> This is one of those great games, and I'm definitely buying this now because right now all we have is zombie dice for this kind of thing, and I want something else. It's really portable, too, so you can just bring it wherever you want. Yeah, it's just in a tube. Yep, that's it. Yes. Oh, I love a dice game that comes in a tube. Yeah, so good. (laughs) It's my favorite thing. So my favorite thing in the world. Put it in your pocket. You're good to go. That's all right, everybody. There's a cool tube. Bonus. <laughs> <laughs> well, not uh, all of them. Some of them come in a box. Oh, okay. They have different printings. Oh, do they? Yeah. yeah. Tube's the way to go, sure though. You if you yeah, can find a tube, for sure. get the tube. For sure. Yeah. 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 Or buy a tube as an accessory. You have to have 
<laughs> they make accessory tubes? Maybe. <laughs> I need to know now. I, I don't know, Kevin. They make accessory. They make every that's kind a, of accessory. That's a fair imagine. point. People have 3D printers now. You can make custom dice tubes for Martian dice yeah, at this point if you want. For sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Martian dice. Mike? Martian dice is super simple, super fun chaos, and I'm ready to press my luck again. Dig it up. Ed? This is utter dicey randomness! Yay! Your turn can end on your very first roll! <laughs> it gets a lot of fun though, to push your luck with friends for the light diversion for a few minutes, but it doesn't really ish my gaming-ish, as it were, so I don't have to bury what? it. What? Shocking. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. Harsh. <laughs> disgrace. You're a disgrace, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play it again with you guys for five minutes, but it's about as much fun as I get from it. <laughs> Oh, uh, Kevin. I, I gotta. I want those like four hours. Oh, hour now game, he made you know? him defend himself. Kevin, wash, wash <laughs> this taste out of my mouth. <laughs> Kevin, hit us with it. Martian Dice is a fantastic filler game for your board game weekend. Push your luck mechanics it comes in a tube. I'm digging it up. <laughs> yeah. It's a fantastic game. Yeah. It is a nonstop giggle fest of fate cursing delight. Dig it up. <laughs> mm hmm. Which Earthlings would you abduct first? Let us know on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Which Game First. Hey, everybody. We just wanted to take a minute to say a quick thank you to our patrons. Yeah. We got a few new patrons this month. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're so glad to have you. Hope you enjoy those bonus points. Bonus points. Bonus points. Bonus points. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. If you become a supporter of this show for just $3 a month, you get an exclusive podcast just for you guys that we do every week called Bonus Points, plus some very old, very vintage, full episodes of Which Game First that you can only get access to if you become a supporter of the show. Go to our website and click on Become a Patron today. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Our next game up this week is Magic the Gathering Adventures in Forgotten Realms. Designed by Richard Garfield. Published by Wizards of the Coast with the Forgotten Realms Edition 2021. Number of players, 2 plus. Ages 13 and up. Playtime, 20 minutes if you're lucky. <laughs> okay, Mikey, <laughs> tell us what's in the box. Well, technically there isn't a single box here, but there are several types of pre-constructed decks with several modes of play available. They are all named and themed to give an idea of what type of gameplay to expect from your deck. Inside you find cards, cards, and more cards. Specifically, inside any of the Forgotten Realms pre-release boxes you get three dungeon cards and a special 20-sided die. And that's what's in the box. I know, it started coming with a D20, huh? Mm-hmm. At first, it was just for a life counter, but, you know, the game has evolved because it's Forgotten Realms. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but it's the same 20-sided life counter that's been provided in note boxes for a while. many years. It's mm -hmm. actually different, Ed. Mm -hmm. Yep, so that's right. So oh, this is. is a D20. So the D20s that Magic has provided previously are what's called turn-down die. 
Mm-hmm. So they start it down, when yeah. they're faced up 20, you, you can turn them down to 19, 18, 17 real easily. The die that's introduced into this set is a standard D20 for role-playing games that is uh, even on all sides. So it's much harder to go from 20 to 19. you got to kind of hunt around constantly for searching yeah. for it. I love it mm-hmm. because those are the D20s I always use anyway. <laughs> I just grab my D20 set and I've always had those. But before we get too deep into it, and you know we will (laughs) as role players, before we tap some lands to cast this review, let me hit you with some rules. In the magic game, you play the role of a planeswalker, a powerful wizard who fights other planeswalkers for glory, knowledge, and conquest. Your deck of cards represents all the weapons in your arsenal. It contains the spells you know and the creatures you can summon to fight for you. This is the grandfather of all collectible card games. Cards are categorized as common, uncommon, rare, and mythic. Players are wizards attempting to reduce their opponent's life total to zero. The first player to reduce his opponent's life to zero, or meet another set of win conditions, wins the game. An important part of the game is deck construction, which is done prior to the actual game by selecting what cards are included in your particular deck. There are nearly 20 thousand different cards from which to build your deck and no you don't get them all in the starter set (laughs) cards can be lands which usually generate mana of various colors or their spells which require a certain amount of mana to be used and some cards are creatures artifacts and enchantments which stay on the board and continue to affect the game while others have a one-time effect players Mm -hmm. randomly draw spells to see what they get and can play each turn. Although this limits your choices, there is a lot of strategy in how you play those spells. Though traditionally a two-player duel, there are several casual and tournament formats to magic that allow more players to play, which I do all the time. I mean, I'm constantly playing with four. How about you guys? Are you a, a two, one-on-one or more? Normally one-on-one. I uh, haven't really tried too many of the uh, uh, the new commander format, but I'd I remember doing way back when, like multi-headed dragon or whatever. Yeah, it was two-headed, back uh, two-headed giant, you, where you play two teams of two uh, against each other. And then there's now there's commander, which is every man for themselves. And there's some different rules to that work, how that works too. So that's the new official ways to play multiplayer. How about you, Kevin? Uh, I play pretty much all formats outside of Commander because it's way too intimidating. But uh, my favorite is Draft because it kind of puts everybody on an even playing field. Constructed to me seems to just be the best card is the credit card with Constructed. Mm. So uh, I'd rather play Draft. Expand on that. What's Draft versus Constructed? So Draft is everyone buys into a pool of booster pack cards. And there are, they're sealed, and then everyone sits down, and you open a pack. You pick one card from that pack and then pass it to the next person until those pack of cards are completely gone and everyone has a set number, right? And then you'll yep. open yeah. another pack and do the same round robin, and then another in the opposite direction, then open a third pack and do back in the same... Uh, initial direction you went in and then you have a set number of cards that you get to build a deck with through that format so everybody Mm kind of starts having to pick and create a deck on the fly 
with sealed packs of cards. That's my favorite format. I love it. Mm -hmm. No, it's like if you ever played Seven Wonders, something that no that drafting, but now you're keeping these cards and that's all you get to play with the whole game. Yep. Well, yeah. And then, and then when you're done playing that day, you walk away with them, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, you right. keep those cards. Yeah. That, yeah, that's where you get a person called a rare drafter, which is kind of what I do when I do a draft, is I just pick the <laughs> most rare card in the pack and pass it on to the next person. <laughs> yeah. And what I love about draft is, again, the more competitive aspect to draft as opposed to constructed mm -hmm. because constructed is really about getting four of this, four of this, four of this, this great rare, this great rare. Yeah. Um, the, and the whole kind of deck building, is rares. Yeah. The whole deck is really built around. It does a specific thing or hits a right. specific combo. Whereas mm -hmm. doing draft, you have to build on the fly. You have to think on the fly. You have to know all the card interactions in the set. Um, it's mm -hmm. a little bit more involved. I love it. Yeah, you, you have limited tool set to work with. You can't build a, a super combo deck. You only have so many tools to work from. See, for me, I feel the opposite way of that is where, you know, if I'm lucky enough to get good cards in a draft versus have I thought of a cool idea to mess with people's strategies out there. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of prefer the constructed format. Yeah, you're a constructed deck player. I know that uh, that that's your preference, and I know you've done well in competition mm -hmm. with oddball construction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the tricks that I would do is uh, they publish. I mean, this magic is so crazy popular that they publish the current best meta that everybody's playing. So people will copy that deck, and other people will see that it's winning in tournaments, and they'll copy it. So I just make a counter deck to the top three decks that are out there. <laughs> I just you know. This, these five cards will totally destroy that strategy that's everywhere. And you get pretty lucky mm -hmm. or, you know, you don't have to be that lucky because you end up playing a lot of people that are playing that same deck against you. Yeah. That's yeah, clever. I love that part of the meta in Magic where there's a really strong deck that's created, just like Mike said, but then someone changes an element of it. So there's mm -hmm. this version now and this version. And then yep. yes. someone yes. like Mike counters it. So then now there's the counter deck. But then someone builds a deck <laughs> mm -hmm. to counter that counter deck. Oh, yeah. It, it's and it's then a cool... It like... just really starts layering on. Um, I think... And Constructed is great for that, especially in like home play where mm -hmm. you have this pool of cards. That's what I used to love is sitting in mm -hmm. my living room as a kid and having these cards from five or six different sets yeah. and putting all my mm -hmm. blue cards and red cards and all those all the colors together and saying okay what kind of craziness can i build from this <laughs> um now it's not competitive at all in that way no. but it was just right. it's just so much fun well, playing well, it around can with be, but... it can be oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah but you have to right. stick to like oh if it's too you know, standard is like you can't go further than a certain set number right. and stuff like yeah, that. I mean, yeah, but I've done things like, oh, let me just, no, take all the goblins I can find and throw it in the deck and see how that <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, usually right, they have right. some synergy just naturally like that too. Right. I mean, I remember in the early days of Magic the Gathering sitting in my apartment uh, putting on like, with a couple of friends putting on some like ambient music like Enya and then just, playing a 500 card deck yeah, against so against another cool. 500 card Ooh. deck all night till the sun came up you know oh man so yeah, yeah. Th that's fun home play that is obviously yeah. not the tight 60 card deck that you're going to see in a tournament <laughs> but so that that's a little bit of the background of magic the gathering but this year they came out with 
what we're going to review today, the Forgotten Realms set. So now Forgotten Realms, for those who don't play D&D, is a D&D based deck. So we all know that Magic the Gathering is owned by Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast also owns Dungeons and Dragons. So they are mm-hmm. mixing IP here. Yeah, why did it take them so long? <laughs> it did. I mean, they had the both of these IP for so long, but they kept them very separate from each other until mm-hmm. recently. Like, you know, maybe just like, oh, what was it, like three years ago, you had your first, uh, you know, Magic the Gathering D&D book, you know, the, the setting in Theros. You know, mm-hmm. and that was a, kind of their first taste of them mixing the IPs a little bit. But now, D&D has come to Magic. <laughs> Straight up. And how did the how do you think the Magic the Gathering world in D and D did popularity wise, Ed, or anybody? I mean, I thought it was uh, when I looked at it. It's like I've played Magic before. I played. I mean, I played back when ninety three when it first came out, and right. you know, and I kind of like retired the game. I it's like I had. Uh, I'm kind of done with it for now. But I saw this set. It actually. Intrigued my interest in because I'm a D&D player. Mm-hmm. I play D&D every week, and it's like, hey, let me see what the what they're gonna do with this. And looking at the cards, it, it was uh, a very nice trip down the thousand. Oh yeah, I, I mean, the first thing I saw was like one of the early teaser advertisements was like Tiamat, legendary, and it's listed as <laughs> legendary creature, dragon god, and that's all. That's when you play D&D. That's how you think of Tiamat. Like, whoa. He's a god, you know, we hope we never run into him. Now you can see just how nasty he is for all the other creatures in the game of Magic. And it's cool how it's, uh, it's fairly thematic and it has all five colors of Magic. Oh, yeah, that's true. All the five mana uh, colors. Tiamat does. Yes, yeah, Tiamat, Tiamat does. does. Now, let me ask you this, guys. I see in the advertising of some of these cards a uh, completely different format layout, graphic design of the cards so Mm -hmm. what i mean by that is some of these cards are like completely different than the normal format for a a layout for a a magic the gathering card is this the first time they've strayed from their graphic format no but yes i don't know (laughs) know, it's not really answering the question yeah, I think the so the first time that they really strayed and that it worked and impacted the game in a really strong way was with the introduction of Planeswalker cards. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was a huge deviation because now you have this this card that looks wildly different from anything that that has been implemented in the game since its inception. With the mm-hmm. dungeon cards, though, they've changed the format of what they call um, the play area. And created a command zone for these three static dungeon cards. And we don't know if they'll add more. But um, that is the... I think this is the second time they've changed the format of how a card looks. And this is the first time the command zone has existed in Magic. They've just created this thing called the command zone for this set. Yeah, it's a sort of out of game area that you can't affect with cards from outside of it. You know, because the... The thing that this game needed most was more rules. <laughs> they do add new <laughs> mechanics every single uh, iteration of the yeah. game. But yeah. this is a cool one because I think it fits into the theme really well. It's something called Venture, Venture. into the Dungeon. That's it, yes. So if your, car- if your thing that you play on the table, like your creature or your spell or whatever, says Venture into the Dungeon, you get to start, you put a little meeple on this card that is a specific dungeon that you pick, 
And each time you adventure into the dungeon, you get a different ability or like draw a card or. Right. You, things happen. Yeah. Things, different things happen when you walk into those different rooms. Yeah. So, as if it's an encounter in that room. Yeah. You're like having yeah. special encounters throughout the dungeon. Yeah. So it's an added effect. Typically they'd have, they have them on enter the battlefield effects or attacking, defending. You get to venture into the dungeon and that's mm-hmm. what the card text shows. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, um, and I've already had long conversations about this with my <laughs> friends, is uh-huh. that the dungeon cards, what they give you is really not much. Yeah. You get to scry one. You get you create a 1-1 one, one goblin token. You gain one life, right? Mm-hmm. What yeah. I would have liked for them to do is make completing a dungeon because you can complete it you can get all the way to the end and walk through all the rooms mm-hmm. if you activate the venture mechanic enough but completing it doesn't feel as satisfying or as powerful as it could and it there's yeah. a lot of steps i mean some of these dungeons you have to go through seven things to get to the end of it yeah i mean this is a 20 point game people it doesn't last <laughs> 20 that health long. right exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. 20 20 well, hit the points tomb here. of annihilation could be just three steps there are several cards out there that get more powerful if you have completed a dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you'd have to line up a lot of synergies, though, as opposed to just killing the guy or gal you're facing, right? So, like, if my option is to draw another card and reload on a card that has an enter the battlefield effect and says draw a card, and the card is a 3-3... Three, three, I'd much rather place that than place a 1-3 that says to venture into the dungeon mm-hmm. and then lets me scry one, you know, because I yeah. haven't added cards to my hand and I've added value by being able to scry one, but it it feels as though, and the format is being played in such a way that a lot of people are avoiding the adventure into the dungeon mechanic yeah. altogether. I, I don't think it's strong enough yet. <laughs> no, it's I, not, I not very that. strong at all, no. And how will they fix that with more creatures that are better, that work more effectively with the dungeon? Either yeah. that or add more dungeons. Add but the problem dungeons, is, yeah. is if you add more dungeons that are stronger than the ones they already have, it makes the ones they've already designed a Yeah, relevant. exactly. Right, so you're right. better right. off with the creatures. You're better, yeah, the you're problem. way better off with <laughs> now, I've seen the, the venture effect used um, more effectively in the constructed format where you can actually build to the theme as opposed to the more limited uh style game i would yield the floor to mike on that because i play mostly draft so (laughs) yeah i I played i constructed a deck that actually does venture into the dungeon a lot um and and i do think that instead of making more powerful dungeons you could probably make creatures that get more out of venturing into the dungeon you know that would Mm -hmm. be another way to help them to be stronger but at the moment i think that the way it exists now it's just like you said not quite worth it to venture into the dungeon as a theme for your yeah and that's why a lot of the conversations I've had around it makes this set feel, as far as design choices go, a little weak and a little more theming, less design, right? They didn't take a ton of risk. Mm. They made these dungeon cards and had interactions with them, but they're not so strong that they're going to be used from now on. And it doesn't feel like they can be reintroduced right. in a new set. It's interesting that you say that uh, because of how expensive this hobby can get and how much care you have to take with what you buy yep. for the, for this game. So I 
totally sympathize with playing draft play. I personally mm-hmm. just play family play. I don't even bother with tournaments, and it's the cost prohibitiveness of tournaments that I have a problem with and that I'm constantly fighting with my son about, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, uh, I'm like, try it in a proxy card, which is a kind of card you can get a cheap version of the card to try it out before you spend money on it. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that you say that, Kevin, because I'm seeing the cost of these Forgotten Realms cards through the roof already. Oh, yeah. And we're, we're what, three months in? Uh, you know, no, the, the pre-release was no. like only a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, all right, three yeah. weeks in. Yeah, so we're three like week uh, in, yeah. three weeks yeah. in, and that, I'm looking. That. Yeah, and I'm looking this week, and the box, like just buying a set of a box of boosters, is up by seven hundred percent, eight hundred percent. If you can get your hands on them, um, yeah. so you know, you end up spending a lot of money on these new sets, and this one in particular because it was so hotly awaited uh, that for cards that may in the end ultimately be of very little use. Yeah, I think it's a different, it's like Planeswalkers are going to be useful in the next four or five sets for somebody Mm -hmm. playing standard, right? Uh But these dungeon cards don't feel like they're going to be there. Now, any pre-release box, I think, or any booster box you get, you get these three cards. They're going to chuck them at you. You're going to have multiple copies of them for Mm -hmm. you and friends. Uh But also, given the theme around this set, it doesn't feel like you're going to be able to reintroduce them into another set. Also, the theme and the naming and everything they've done to flavor it into the Forgotten Realms ethos is going to have to sit. Yeah, it's going to have to sit yeah. in this set, unfortunately. Right. Um, yeah. So that's that's the thing, and I think that for Magic, somehow it was kind of a in case of emergency break glass, which is why the price has hmm. really shot up, as everybody loves. I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of people who enjoy Magic the Gathering also enjoy Wizards' other mm-hmm. IP. <laughs> um, true, true. Dungeons right. and Dragons. So it's an easy marrying where a lot of people are going to get jazzed about a set. But it's mm-hmm. also why I make the joke, Celeste, for constructed play that the best card is the credit card because a <laughs> yeah. lot of times you just, you know, just spending money gives you a strong deck. Now you have to have an understanding of the yeah. game, but. Having more yeah. money means stronger cards, for sure. True. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, more, the ability to buy the best cards in the meta, and then, yeah. And I think another thing affecting the price right now, from what I heard, is, uh, A, I mean, they expected this to be popular, but maybe it's even more popular than expected. And due to COVID, not all of the supply hit the U.S. as soon as they would like. There is uh-huh. some shipping delays with the, the card. I think only, like, half the printing is, is got on, on shore so Ooh, far. Oh, I see. Yeah. Interesting. And I, 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 to me, it strikes me as old fashioned uh, and a little bit out of date to have a game that is based on uh, prices of cards. Right. So the more like the more you can spend money to get better stuff and be better at the game. It seems a little old fashioned to me in that the video games tend like Fortnite and stuff like that. They tend to go for prestige items only. So if you're playing against the wide world it's you can only spend money and plenty of people still spend money so it's not a problem but uh for the company but they can only buy skins and music Mm -hmm. and things that actually don't affect their power in game Mm -hmm. yeah i would say though one thing to argue against that point is that wizards of the coast is not the one making the market for these cards the price on a booster or a constructed set is set uh, and yeah. the players are the ones that give value 
based on how strong the game is. So it's really the players creating that market, which is good or bad, depending on how you look at it. I think it's bad, <laughs> but it it really is around that, hey, this card is very strong and it's and it's pretty rare. So price is going to go up because a lot of people yeah. who want a strong rare card are going to buy it every time it gets somewhere. <laughs> so it's completely capitalist in the sense that it's supply and demand. Like, oh, you, you want that Tiamat? Yeah, everybody wants that Tiamat. And it, oh, you want the special art? Yeah, that's really rare. So yeah, I think yeah. it would be different if Magic just reprinted a bunch of strong cards and and sold them to you for like four or five dollars a piece. But yeah. they they never do that. I don't think they, they've done it a little bit. Like some cards oh, that were they? yeah, like super strong cards like Soul Ring. It used to be a staple in every deck, but the part of their problem with putting cards out like that again is they ban or restrict those cards a lot of times because they change the whole meta because it's like, oh, this card is so strong that everybody's going to play with it and they'll have no variety in the different decks. So they try yeah, to avoid that fair. for balance purposes. Um, but with 20,000 cards, you're going to, you're, I don't care how good you are at it. You're inevitably as a company right. going to run into some balance issues. Not only that, I mean, not just balance issues, but cards that completely break the game <laughs> like yeah. like yeah like I, I, mean, I have a deck right now that i made with 12 different infinite combos in it so i just get two or three cards out and I have infinite amounts of mana i can just roast the other person in one second you know yeah and, there's another thing too about them having so many formats that they officially support now like commander mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. never used to support commander that was just a fan-made format and then mm -hmm. now they fully support commander so Having to support all of those formats and then list ban lists and mm -hmm. different changes to those formats, there's inevitably going to be some crossover. If it doesn't create an issue in this format, it will in this one. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, they have to supply a lot of different player tastes. So I see why they do it. I mean, Commander, from what I understand, is pretty popular, and I get why because you can play older cards without necessarily breaking the game because you can only have one card in a hundred card deck so it's not so breaking to have a a powerful co copy of a powerful card in mm -hmm. there yeah that's that so. is what's good about commander and i think that's a good reason to have that format but um let me just uh reel it back in a little bit here guys because uh yeah. exactly what i expected to happen is happening is right um i did want to talk about some of the other cards that will actually be persistent uh after this set is gone like you're totally mm -hmm. right about the dungeon crawl part being kind of like only for this set but after this set there's cards that are called class cards and they kind of do an interesting yeah. thing where they give the planeswalker or you know the player themselves an ability to be a class so like i can make play a card that's an enchantment that makes me a rogue and as i level up in that by spending mana i get to level one level two level three it gives me a set of new powers that i can use throughout my deck yeah that is planeswalkery in that you got to build it up over time with counters yeah it's yeah. cool yeah it's, it's a new yeah. thing i haven't seen an enchantment do that where you can level it up and it gets better as yeah. you go. Yeah, well yeah. they've had enchantment sagas before but they've right. uh what happens is is they would quote unquote they wouldn't level up like these do but they would mm -hmm. move to the next section in the in the next turn but n these you have to actually pay for and they're quite right. strong yeah they're really <laughs> these strong are yes. very strong the mage or the uh, wizard class is one i can think of that is incredible oh that one's awesome cuz every time you draw a card you can put a 1/1 one, one counter on a creature so yeah. think about the constructed format there. 
You oh. get that oh, class yeah. leveled up all the way, and then all of a sudden, boom, I'm drawing this card, this card, this card, this card. Yeah, I think a lot of the classes do some really wild oh, stuff yeah. that's fun and exciting. Like, uh, I'm playing around with the Rogue class, where you can deal cards from the other player's deck and eventually play them. Yeah. <laughs> You're literally right. stealing from their deck. It's awesome. Yeah, those um. cards are definitely going to stick around. That's a huge point, Mike. Those yeah, will be yeah. around for a while. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that might make the cut is the treasure mechanic. There's a thing where you can mm. like play a card and it says you add a treasure also. And what a treasure is, it's just a little artifact that you can tap and destroy to get one of any color mana you want whenever you need it. And then it goes away. That actually came a little earlier. Mm -hmm. and it, That wasn't new in this set. Right. There were other sets before that had Right, treasures. they snuck them in, but they made it a big part of this set, which makes sense because yeah, if you're playing that it, dragon deck, you so get a it brings it to the fore. It does, it does. Like it, it, it raised awareness of something that already existed. Yep, and it, yeah. and it made okay. it really a big integral part of certain decks in, the, in this particular meta of the game. Like you, you, if you're playing dragons and you need like to cast Tiamat, who has all five different colors of mana out, to cast him you want to put a bunch of treasures and basically lure tiamat to come out and, and to your side so it feels pretty thematic that they use treasure in this yeah i thought the same was going to happen with th the throne of eldraine set with the food mechanic i'm kind of food, hoping yeah. that food mechanic creeps its way back <laughs> because there were a lot of really great cards that interacted with food mm -hmm. uh in that way so It'll be interesting to see if they touch on that like they do treasure here. But yeah, mm -hmm. I also agree. Treasure is very strong. Also strong for multicolor decks, making yeah. sure that you have mm. enough mana to ramp with. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be exceptional for those constructed decks. Okay. All right. Absolutely. So you guys have got me thinking because <laughs> I was not impressed with the theme of this set. Uh, for one thing, I've you know forgotten. I'm a longtime D and D player, but Forgotten Realms has never really captured my imagination anyway. But on top of that, this whole thing smacked of fan fiction to me. It was like, why bother with this IP mixing these IPs? You know, Magic the Gathering, you could make all these mechanics with just new cards. To me, having a Drizzt Dwarden card feels like fan fiction. It's like a what if. What if Drizzt Dwarden were a character in Magic the Gathering? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's if it, it was worth it. Yeah, you know? I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think this is a this is a and I would have friends that would argue that Magic has been a cash grab for a while now, but this does feel like a cash grab. Dungeons, in my opinion, do feel lazy. <laughs> the theming is incredible and it's inarguably incredible if you're a fan of Dungeons and Dragons and mm -hmm. magic. The theming is great. Um, yeah, but a, a free advertising, yeah. right? Yes. It's cash grab slash free advertising yeah. for D&D, &D, which is a smaller product for them. Yeah. So it's like, hey, let's use our huge product and get people interested in our small product. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But they do have some interesting design choices here that I think will persist, but I don't mm -hmm. think they come mm -hmm. back to dungeons. I don't think they come right. back to... Um, pulling this IP in just because it does feel like they have on cards cure wounds and names of different Dungeons and Dragons spells that are effects that happen anyway. Like for instance, they have Blink Dog and mm -hmm. it phases out. Phase out is a term that Magic had in the game years ago and they yeah. they mm -hmm. named it teleport just because teleport is a D&D &D spell. 
So all it does is confuse current Magic players. Like, isn't that just phasing? <laughs> like, why not just call it phase? Why Why do we have to name it something different? I feel like they did it with the right intention, though, because even the lands have, like, a little bit of a story on them. You know, I feel like they were doing their best to get that feeling of D&D and storytelling into the game. So yeah. maybe, maybe, they, yeah. maybe they failed, in your opinion, on that, but I definitely can see the effort that they made to it. I think there it. was a lot of effort and not enough risk. I think they should have made stronger design decisions to incorporate. If you're going to bring D&D in, let's let's make some strong design choices and maybe it doesn't maybe it falls on its butt, but <laughs> let's make some strong design decisions. The design the design decisions do seem a little bit half. Yeah, they seem half they half. seem weak. Half. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought the design choices were actually pretty good from my view. Yeah, so again, <laughs> the classes, the treasures, to me, the nostalgia of having all the classic D&D stuff. No, the Book of Vile Darkness, the Eye of Vecna. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are not forgotten realms necessarily. Yeah, I mean, Vecna true. is actually Greyhawk. If I'm being a truist mm-hmm. here. And so. Ed, there's no disputing that you are a stuff, bits and bobs and doodads kind of guy. So for <laughs> yeah. you, I can totally see how it might be attractive in just having oh, those And I things. know some people you know, hate the, the the module land, but when I look, it's like, yeah, I remember seeing modules in that style. It was neat seeing those graphic styles yeah. and the, the, the old, like, no original A D and D art on some of the cards uh, and the alternative art styles they have on some of them. I thought were really neat. A cute idea, but really does seem gimmicky. That one, that is the one card that I cannot disagree with you on. It feels like a straight up like punch in the nostalgia. Just to clarify, yeah, what Ed is talking about is some of the land cards are an actual box cover. Old modules, yeah, the old paper modules, yeah. They were like magazines. They yeah. were like yeah, magazines. Like, yeah, that was magazines. Yeah. Right, so magazine yeah. covers were like from like 40 years ago. Right. So it looks straight up like a cover. And that's very different graphically from a regular Magic card. Yeah. And they, they do look gimmicky. They do. That, that, that one, I'll agree wholeheartedly with you guys. That's the most gimmicky one of all of them. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> it, but, I mean, sometimes IPs do that, and it's fun. I just wish... I just wish they would have went further, because then they could have they could have been like, "Oh, that's the crazy D and D set over there," that you know, and then they could just scrap all those mechanics next set they put out. You just wait a, a set from now. People are going to be still rolling that D twenty to get the random results off of the deck of many things. <laughs> Mark my words. That did seem. We'll see. like yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they put the roll mechanic in more sets in the future. Yeah. That's another thing. You didn't really see roll a D twenty in a set too often until now. Mm-hmm. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Magic the Gathering Adventures in Forgotten Realms. Mike? I thought they did a great job integrating some of my favorite parts of D&D, like rolling D20s, uh, while providing me with a punch in the nostalgia. So I say dig it up. Kevin? I think the design choices were less risky than I would have liked, but all in all, I'm still playing draft. I will continue to play draft in this format. (laughs) Dig it up. Ed? Ah, the chocolate of D&D is combined with the peanut butter of Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I am surprised it took this long for them to do this. Given the amount of cards I got lately compared to the past years, I think it will be popular. Excuse me as I dig up some more cards for a dragon deck. <laughs> I heard you got a Tiamat, Ed. 
No, he got I two do. TMS. I got like two of them. In a booster, right? Straight up out of yep. the booster. 25 right? bucks a piece yep. on the market. Oh right my now. gosh. That's yep. crazy. Yes. Insane. As I've said, I pre- always preferred to do my own world building in D&D, and therefore I've never much cared uh, for these pre-made, uh, for the pre-made fantasy that came with it. Though Magic the Gathering is a solid dig up in my book, I'm not a fan of this particular set. Feels unnecessary to me. Oh gosh, I'm going to take a hit for this one. <laughs> I am burying the Forgotten Realms. Did you get a chance to check out the latest Magic the Gathering set? Any cards you love or were there some you hate? Let us know <laughs> on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We are at which game first. Our last game up this week is Devolution. Become a Supreme Leader for Life. Designed by Jason Rye. Published by Taike Games. Coming to Kickstarter soon. Number of players 2 to 8, ages 18 and up. Playtime 20 to 50 minutes. All right, Mikey, what's in the box? The cover of the box has a skull and crossbones, crowned with a serpent and waving a flag of unknown origin. Inside, you'll find a board known as the Depravity Meter, a pawn, (laughs) popularity tokens of an unknown number. We're not sure how many are going to be in the box yet. One six-sided die and 159 cards. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we take control of your media with this review, I'm going to take a populist stance and give you some rules. (laughs) Devolution is a game about the dark nature of politics where you will attempt to take control of the judiciary, media, and strategic companies to gain the absolute power over the Republic and become the supreme leader for life. To do that, you'll need to gain popularity points by bribing and manipulating the voters. It comes at a cost of increasing depravity of public life. And so the doomsday clock is set in motion. If you don't seize power before it reaches 100, the people will storm the palace gates and hang everyone. The increasing depravity may not be all bad news. When the depravity meter reaches 70, there will be an opportunity for one of you to seize power as the leader of the revolutionary movement that will soon swallow everyone. Players can also seize power with the generals in a coup d'etat or with the priesthood or with business. Like in politics, the effects of one's actions are not always 100% predictable. There are dice rolls, and as the depravity meter goes up past bomb-marked fields, that sounds fun, the player causing the depravity has to draw a card from the, we can't say that, beep happens, (laughs) (laughs) from the beep happens deck, which may adversely affect just them or everybody at the table. The logic being that the misdeeds within the party affect the image of the whole party. Okay, so we were able to play this game with the designer on our playthrough. You can see it on Facebook or YouTube. Guys, how did this game look? I know you only played it on Tabletopia, but how did this game look? It has like a propaganda look to it and it's very like stark. There's like a white background on the cards and and not too many colors within, and the art is fairly simple on there. I really like the art on the um, advertised cards. I'm not sure if it played that way on Tabletopia because I didn't get a chance to play with you guys. Aww. But I do like the look of the cards um, in their Kickstarter layout. I think that games that are about politics should have these these types of gruff, mm-hmm. comic booky looking stuff. I think it plays well with that. Yeah, kind of grungy and like, you know dirty 
<laughs> definitely had that look to it. Yeah, and I'm with Ed that the cars themselves looked a bit prototype version. I will say that the friend that I played with, looking at the cards that you have to buy with popularity, buying those cards felt confusing to him because he was like, mm -hmm. what is all this on the right-hand side of the card? What's all this on the yeah. left-hand side of the card? And obviously some things that you bought left-hand side of the card would be different values. So you didn't know if he gets both or... So I think there's some improvement they could do with the interface, I guess I'll call it, of the cards. Yeah, the symbology wasn't super clear. Yeah, I, I'm sure. We had the advantage of playing with the designer, so we could actually uh, Give him feedback. Uh, get taught on how to do these <laughs> right. cards. And, and I got to say, even with the designer there, by the end of this game, I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, it was the symbology didn't help to make the game any more clear. It actually just made it more confusing. Uh, the types of cards that you had to acquire to win didn't seem very different from any of the other kind of cards. They didn't seem very special or, you know, they didn't seem like something that you'd need to do to win the game. But we're about to hit a bump. We just crossed the bump. bump at 75 there. The bump. Yeah, we hit the bump. It looks like a bomb with yeah. a lit fuse on it. Boom! Yeah. Okay, so if you drew this card as a result of grabbing institution or part of chain the private direction after it, you lose the institution now. Oh. What? Like, yeah. So, so you basically the thing I just lose your institution. It goes away, that's, that's what happens. Yep. So this oh. that. That, that, that's life. Wow. Oh, okay. Oh, it wow. goes that's back life. to the... Okay. One, one second you have everything, and the second you don't have anything. So. Ouch. What you get is on one side, and what you need is on the other side of the card. And there, I noticed... There are a few cards, at least when I got it. I mean, I only saw a few cards in the game, but there are cards there that change the win condition. So it's like that symbol you saw, you didn't know what to need. Oh, if I have this card out, I can win if I get enough of these out. Like the, I have enough military, I can win that way by doing a coup d'etat if I have that particular card out. So now were these cards, uh, did they have special abilities on them? Or were you just collecting the symbologies on the left and right? So some of them have just the symbols, so just military. But others had a combination of things that mm -hmm. could be done or, or impacted the game. So, And they say as much in the rules, I believe, where they talk about how there's, there's some that do stuff and some that just give you military or give you church. Which I think, right. I think it's funny that the church's symbol is an alien yeah. face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the unmarked van. I mean, I thought some of the humor was there. Mm -hmm. Like the unmarked van and you see people like dragging someone away. Right. Yeah. And it gives you, you know, or um, the multi-party orgy scandal. Oh, you know? <laughs> some of the humor the... lands and some of the humor falls short, in my yeah, opinion. <laughs> I completely yeah. agree with I that. Think yeah. it's, I think it's going to be hit or miss with a lot of people, but mm -hmm. I understand the route they were going. And enough of it lands that you're like, all right, I get the tongue-in-cheek aspect. Yeah, yeah. They were definitely going for a very deep satire. Everything in here is satirist and pretty much has a certain worldview of like, um, very pessimistic world. Yeah, yeah, that's a really way to put it lightly, Ed, for sure. <laughs> it's just very dark. Poli it's dark world Illuminati level politics in here. It definitely has an Illuminati feel to mm -hmm. it. Yeah. 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 It a really look does. to it. I should say a look to yeah. it. Yeah. One of the things I found a little bit messy was that 
some cards that you keep out to have an effect and other cards you have to spend them when you try to use them to do something. And it didn't mm. really tell you that you're spending them as a cost or if you're building up your your network. And it didn't do a lot of building up your network. You know, you didn't co- like get a high priest working with a general and then like take control of the media and then get this thing. It was kind of like you put cards out, you spend the cards, you get the other cards, and then somebody steals that card away from you. It's like, I don't know. Didn't, didn't oh, seem really? Because like I usually like when cards have multiple abilities or multiple ways to use them. Like I like it when they double up as money, you know, like in San Juan, for example. Uh, but you just didn't feel it here? Well, I didn't get to build anything in this game. I feel like if you're going to try to build a world conquering government, you should have permanent things on the table more than this game provided for you. Yeah, if you get unlucky, I think because when I played my opponent didn't really build anything they were just countering what i was building so Mm -hmm. i would have like the general out which gave me more military and then i would have a secret agent out which gave me um you know different things available to me and i felt like all my opponent was doing was countering those things or killing off my characters and getting these values in other ways that also were raised depravity and things like that so while i had military leaders and these different things he he didn't have that Mm -hmm. i kind of did the same thing to mikey where i would get in the cards that were more take that mikey Mm -hmm. haha which i think limited things right and and crippling somebody in that way is is really strong especially in a two-player game and i think this game kind of falls short in a two-player game because one person gets ahead by doing something that cripples the other person one turn, and then that's kind of it. It's just a rolling stone. Yeah, well, if you had at least three players out there, mm-hmm. um, once somebody's been kicked in the teeth, as it were, they might be focused on the next leader, and then the person who's been kicked in the teeth might be left alone mm-hmm. for a turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think there is a benefit. There's something to be said about playing the uh, tuned-down version for two players that they have available because it's, it's maybe max 10 minutes to play. So we got to play mm. two rounds of it. So it didn't feel as punishing. But I could understand if you mm-hmm. were going from uh, Depravity 50 in a two player with all the cards available, how it might just feel like, yeah, I'm just going to lose this game. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of, I think uh. that that level of depression that you feel right there was almost intentional. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of on theme, theme? to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury devolution, become a supreme leader for life. Mikey? I wanted a more sneaky confluence of weird Illuminati-like events to kind of persist and build on each other. But this game didn't really give me any of that. It was hard to attach to the theme, and I was kind of confused about what was going on the entire time. So, sadly, I have to bury it. Ed? The satire can be a bit heavy in places and offers a very pessimistic view on politics. In some way, it kind of reminds me of Illuminati. <laughs> but I suspect some people will find the satire it's a little too close to home. I was able to enjoy the commentary here on modern politics, but I can't see me bringing this game to my gaming group. So for that reason, I'll have to bury it. Kevin? Devolution has some hit or miss humor, some great mechanics with depravity, and it tries to be a dictatorship, but I think there's a revolt at the gates. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and bury it. 
Send us your plan for world domination to at which game first on social media. This way we can totally steal them. <laughs> Before we go, 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 I want to take a minute to ask Kevin about his upcoming Kickstarter, which is right around the freaking corner. Possibly we this will be released during the Kickstarter. So tell us a little bit about Delver Heroes of Farinwald. So Delver is, we've talked a lot about Adventures in the Forgotten Realms and mentioned D&D. This game is a love letter to Dungeons and Dragons in a <laughs> card game format. Oh, snap. So the game is designed to be an introduction to Dungeons and Dragons, Savage World, name your tabletop RPG of choice, by putting the players in a competitive scenario, think a la Munchkin. I've heard it being compared to that, but instead of breaking down a door and fighting monsters, you're deciding to delve into the town of Farinwald itself or the northern dungeon that looms over the city. And in each of those acts of exploring those areas, you're handling a scenario. Maybe you have to plant a vial of poison in a noblewoman's pocket, or you have to steal a lockbox from a man's wardrobe. And in so doing, once you're successful in those things, it will earn you reputation in the town of Farinwald itself or glory in that northern dungeon. So you can become the first, before anyone else at the table, hero of Farinwald. And that's how you win the game. It has a little touch of like Thunderstone in there, but with some storytelling action going on. Yeah, it's very narrative focused. Whereas I feel like, you know, a game like Munchkin is a bit numbers driven. Mm-hmm. This game is a bit like layering thing, layering narrative elements on. Okay. That's cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And cool. and can people play a sample of this? They can. It is available on Tabletop Simulator. So there is a version with full art that you can play. The game is really uh, done from the art aspect of it. So you'll be able to see all of that finished um, and available to play for free. Give us Sweet. feedback. We'd love to hear it. Text is easy Whoa. to change. Art is not. So I don't <laughs> mind change, changing text on a card. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today. Woo-hoo. We really appreciate it. It was great having you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. And if you'd like more perks and content from us, including exclusive episodes of our patron-only podcast, Bonus Points. <laughs> For just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Patron today. <laughs> if you get a chance, please leave us a like, a rating, or a review anywhere. It helps everybody find the show it is a huge help to us join us on our discord server we'd love to hear from you we're there every day happy gaming explorers 